on the 25th of January, 2020, we are bringing the Addicted to Success event to Cape Town, South Africa. And on the 1st of February, we're bringing the event to Johannesburg. This is your opportunity to dive deep with Emil Steenveld and I to transform your money mindset. This is a one day exclusive event. We also have Sashin Govender joining us in Johannesburg. He is a powerful multi-millionaire entrepreneur who's born and raised in South Africa. We also have Heidi Shannon from Australia who is a mental health coach who knows how to pull apart your weaknesses and put you back together with strength to really show you powerful strategies to uplevel your mind and your way of thinking. And we have Adam Roa from the US who's flying out to teach you how he has been able to expand his creation and how he impacts millions through his content. He has reached multi, multi millions of views with his Goldcast video. So don't miss this opportunity. Also 50% of profits will be going towards rape crisis in South Africa. This is where you get to support those that have been physically abused and sexually abused. This is going to a good cause and it also means that you're now able to step into your abundance after moving through your blockages. The way that we teach this is going to be unforgettable and I cannot wait for you to join us in South Africa. So make sure you go to I am addicted to success.com. That's I am addicted, the number two success.com and get your early bird tickets now before they go up. Tickets are selling out. So jump in and this is your opportunity to make 2020 your best year yet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm here today with the beautiful and very talented Dr. Mona Van, who is a wellness and beauty expert. She also ditched her nine to five to blow up her own career and lead hundreds of thousands of people in a great direction to teach them how to really optimize their life and their health so that they get to live with fulfillment. And so, Mona, I'm so excited for you to be here today. I'm excited to dive into all the juicy, awesome stuff that you've got to offer the world. Let's do this. Yeah, thank you. That was such a great intro. <laughs> well, I get excited when I have people on that are passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you've gone like, you know what? Screw the conventional life. I'm going to change totally. direction. I'm going to carve my own path. So let's go into that. Like, why did you fire your boss and, and how did you do this? For people that are listening that. right now, they're like, I hate my job or it's like unfulfilling or I want something to get on a higher ground. Break it down for us. I love that you put it that way. Like, why did I fire my boss? It's great. Um, mm-hmm. But well, actually what gave me the initial like kick to do it, my first job that I left, he actually fired me because I was so enthralled in my brand. <laughs> but that's how it started. I, I mean, I... I went to pharmacy school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just, you know, school was just always the the road to go in. And um, I liked what I was studying and I was excited to like get out in the world. And then literally the first day working, I knew I had like a full freak out. And I was like, oh my God, this can't be my life forever. It was like this realization of like, this is, this is it. Like, there's no, there's no more studying for anything. There's nowhere to grow from here because pharmacy is not really, you know, a job that you grow with much. So I was like, I have to do something else. And that's kind of when I started brainstorming. So it took me a few years from that point. But luckily, I had like a little inspiration here and there. Like Dr. Oz was really big then. And I was like, I could do that. You know, he's, I mean, my, like everyone's mom loved Dr. Oz. I'm like, maybe I could do that, like, but a little younger and cooler. And <laughs> blogging was just kind of up and coming. So I just kind of decided to mold the two a little bit and figure out what I could do with it. 
Oh, I love this. What a gift, hey? What a gift when you're sitting there in that moment and it just feels like, man, the thing that I'm in right now, I'm not happy with, but there's got to be another way. And I love yeah. that you went and you modeled your success. Like you look for people that were doing it. And it's so funny because I remember when I was, damn, when I was about 21, 22 years old, mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing these guys like Pete Cashmore who built Mashable.com. I think he's out there in New York where you are. You know, he built his company up to hundreds of millions of views every month. And I saw, you know, a good friend of ours, Gerard Adams, you know, he blew up his Elite Daily website. And I saw, uh, you know, Michael Arrington from TechCrunch, who sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I saw that and I thought, you know what, they, they did it. I'm able to do it too. And it sounds like you've done the same thing where you've gone and modeled your success. So for anyone that's listening right now, what would you say are like some steps they can start taking to, to free themselves from the shackles of a nine to five that they're not happy with and to right. step into a new space? You know, I think um, I, I definitely thought about it. I really brainstormed for like a couple of years of what I could do. And I, I was even like, like, what would make me happy? Should I, should I start a PR firm? Should I like, you know, I, I went in so many different routes of what, what could I imagine myself doing? For me, I, if, if someone... If, if you're in the same situation as me where you went to school and it's not the, the like the major you don't like, it's just the day-to-day the day -day from the job, I was like, well, it's going to be such a waste to like waste my degree. So how can I use it and like teach people? And I think what's so cool about the era we live in now is you can make teaching what you know, at like literally a profession. So if you, you know, if you went to school for communications and, you know, that's, I feel like that's a major that gets a lot of slack because no one really knows what to do with that degree. But let's say you went to school for communications and you have this degree like, okay, we'll teach people how to communicate, create a YouTube channel about how to have deeper conversations or how to break out of your shell. There's literally anything you could do. So I like not wasting what you did. Of course, if you totally hate it, then go in a different direction. But I think mixing that with what are you really good at, like knowing what you're really good at and then what you like. I remember hearing once like, if you, if you're starting your own business or like side, whatever, and you don't love it, you're never going to be good at it because there's people who do love it and they're going to work harder than you. Like some, like I did it. I mean, I would go to the pharmacy and work and then work till like midnight working on my brand like for like at least eight or nine months before I even got anything out of it. And I loved it. It was exhilarating because I wanted to do it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't have been able to work that hard. Wow. That was such a truth bomb right there that you have to like what you're doing. Otherwise you're not going to hang it. And, and I believe that success, like if we were to stop glorifying it and to like the unsexy, uncool side of success is literally don't give up. It's like, just keep swinging the ax at the tree until yep. that tree falls down. Right. And most people see the glory, but they don't see the story. And I'm sure exactly. there were times where you struggled and you're like, man, I don't know if I, if I, maybe I could go back to, you know, pharmacy. Did you ever have any of those kind of moments? I always had, I definitely was like, is this ever going to go anywhere? But the, the good thing about what I did was I knew I could always fall back on pharmacy. I always, I still have, I literally still have my license active. I'm definitely one of those people that's like doomsday. I'm, I'm homeless in the streets. What am I going to do? <laughs> like, I think about that all the time. <laughs> so it's nice that I have the degree to fall back on. Although that would literally be hell to go back. Um, <laughs> but it was hard. There's definitely times where I'm like, am I going to get anywhere? And looking back now, it's so funny because like, you know, one year in, I was like, I'm not making any money yet. And like, just to understand it now, like it took me three years to make any money. Like I was just putting out content, putting out content. Like it just, I think the biggest thing in this world is 
to build leverage and a name for yourself because then it's like you could do whatever you want with that, but you have to build people's trust and, and know that like you can't just get it, get it right away. The people who, I mean, there are, of course, like there's some people who break out right away and just like their YouTube channel blows up in like eight months or, or whatever. And like, they're lucky, but it's not like that for most people. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I know people like that also don't know what to do with it. Right. If it happens that quick, it's like, shit, like what my container can't hold this. I remember interviewing uh, Prince EA on the podcast. This is like maybe damn, like three, three years ago. And, and he told me that, you know, he put out these videos where they were getting millions of views, literally hundreds of millions of views, kind of like Jay Shetty. Wow. And like overnight, he said he remembers walking out on the street in Louisiana and people were like, Hey, that's the guy. And he didn't know what to do with that. And next thing Greenpeace was coming to him saying, Hey, we want you to speak at this event. He's like, man, oh I my God, how to hold this. So I don't know if I'd want to blow up that quickly. Right? Like it's, it's good that things work in stage and sometimes Agreed. you want to rush into it, but um, it sounds like you've like really built over time in a really great way. And, uh, and you've been able to pay attention to your audience. If you're watching this or listening to this right now, Mona has close to 300,000 followers on her Instagram. She has close to 500,000. That's half a million followers, subscribers on her YouTube and, you know, on other platforms too. She's, she's really picking up and has an awesome tribe. Mona, what do you feel is the thing that you're doing on a consistent basis? If you could maybe list like two to three things that you do, you do well, and that's why you've been able to really build a tribe the way you have. Um, I think one is only sharing like my honest opinion on things. Um, one, one thing a lot of my audience will say to me is that like, they really trust when I, I say that I like something with, and with that comes a lot of responsibility. Um, even, I mean, I'll post something and sometimes like a lot of people will DM me photos that they just bought it, like based off my recommendation. And there's an instant feeling of like, Oh my God, I hope they like it. I hope it works for them. Like you feel cause you care and you want them to actually like you. So know that you have that responsibility where, if you build it like that, people will really listen and take your advice seriously. And I've always, always been extremely like appreciative and humble to my community where like, if they comment and ask a question, I answer as much as I can. Of course, like I can't do, I can't answer every question, but I think engaging with them and communicating and responding to DMS and just like realizing that your community is the whole reason you even have your platform has really helped. Yeah, I see that. And I see that you're paying attention to the needs of your audience. You're labeling. I saw a lot of your videos there. It's like addressing certain topics. And obviously, mm-hmm. the only way you can do that effectively is by asking your audience questions. And I see the way you do even your uh, Instagram stories as well. You're very interactive. You're tagging other people. You're collaborating with other content creators and people in your mm-hmm. space. And you're just it, you're just committed to bringing valuable content to your audience. And you know, if you're watching this right now, like really check in with yourself and see what am I doing this for? Who am I serving? And is it just for significance or is it really about bringing value to the world? Because they're two different things. On top of that, what I love about you too is the fact that you're willing to tell the truth. And I spoke about this on my Instagram the other day where I said like people are shit scared to share truth because they feel like it's too polarizing. So they go the easy route and and place the safe bet and post what's popular in order to get liked. And I love that you go against the grain and you like challenge ways of like the way people do things and the way that they, you know, preach their diets when you know that it's not healthy and it's, yeah. you challenge the system. You're, you're actually, a, you're, you're a little Persian rebel. <laughs> <laughs> I totally am. I know, right? <laughs> um, 
I do. I do think about that. And every, everything I post, I'm constantly thinking like, is this bringing value? Like, so for example, if I was just going to share my lunch, like here's just like a picture of a juice I'm drinking. Sometimes it's fun to do that just like to give people a little inspo, but I tried to give like context to it and like why I chose it, why I like it. And just the little details that you think people might not care about. They do. If you just explain the why, because you post something, they're going to want to know. Like, well, like well, I think one time I posted, or this happens a lot. I always post like Greek salad, hold the olives or something. No olives. I just hate olives. I don't like the taste of them. But then it'll be like, what's wrong with olives? Are they not healthy? Like, oh, why, why don't you? <laughs> There's nothing on earth I hate more than olives. I can't. Like, it's so, I hate <laughs> That's so funny. I, have you ever seen, um, there's a, a TV show, Out Your Way, it's called uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. And there's this like episode where, where, uh, this couple in there, they, it's called the olive theory where it's like one of them doesn't like the olive and the other one does. And it's like, I have, I've actually heard that. I've yeah? actually heard that. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's all good that we're like in a relationship and like, we both don't have to like olives, but we can share with each other. So, and I kind of feel like that just jogs my memory. In the way. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you've built an amazing following. You really represent yourself. Well, you carry yourself well uh, on social media, which is awesome to see. Now, I want you to really share. Let's dive into the mind of Mona. Let's really go deep into what it actually takes to be able to get to this level. For those that are listening now, I want you to just share with me five I am statements of what you believe about yourself in order for you to get there. Because I believe that success is 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. So Mm -hmm. the engine that runs the show is your mind, right? So what do you often think about yourself without being too like, I'm not saying like you have to be like narcissist, but like right. on a level of like, what do you, what do you really truly believe about yourself that you believe has been the engine that's really brought you to this, this level of success and leadership? Let me see. Um, I would say I am determined. Um, I am capable. I am intelligent. Let's, let's, put a, let's do this. Let's put a because on the end of it. I want to go, okay. go even deeper. Let's do that. I okay. am good because let's do that. I would say I am determined because I will do this forever. Even if I make no money, I'll do it till the day I die because I love it. And I know that someday I'll get there. You know, I feel like being, I think determination is even something I really learned in college. I actually, I think people shit on education a lot lately, which is, and I agree for, to a lot of, you know, extents it's, it's pointless if you're, if you're not going to use it for, a specific thing, but it taught me so much more than just my degree. I feel like it really taught me how to focus and work really hard and like be determined. It gave me work ethic for sure. So I definitely applied that and like building my brand. So I would say that's where that came from. Um, the I am capable definitely came in waves because there's definitely times where I was like, am I even doing this right? Is this going to go anywhere? But you have to just believe that you can get there and know that, you know, you just believe in yourself, especially if it's something you want that bad. Usually like you've got something, you know, you know that you have something to offer when it's really that in you. I am intelligent. I mean, that one's, I guess, somewhat self-explanatory, just knowing and intelligence can come in so many forms. I think it can come in street smarts. It can come in book smarts. But if you are creating a platform where you want to share something, like there's obviously something that you're really good at that you know that you want to share. Even if you're 
if you're great at beauty, but you have a really good way of expressing it and explaining it and making it engaging, like there's, that still takes something. You know, I, I don't like when people say that certain people have no talent or influencers have no talent. I'm like, well, they obviously do because not everyone can get there. They have a way of engaging with someone and making it fun and interesting and connecting with people. These are amazing, by the way. I love it. Thank you. I am. Here's one that I have never really talked about, but I think having to tell myself I am interesting because there's that's that's a vulnerability because there's definitely been times when I was building my brand where I was like, you know, I didn't think I, I was doing it as well as other bloggers or maybe my content was a little boring or maybe it was like just not fun enough. So I think knowing that like what you have to offer people care about and it's so easy to compare yourself to other people in the space. Like, you know, my photos aren't as good. My fashion isn't as good. Like my videos aren't as good. Like it's, it gets really easy when, especially when you're living in a city like LA where you're surrounded by people, everyone around you has millions and you know so your your reality is definitely a little bit skewed but coming back to you know what makes you unique and special i think is so important and knowing there's enough room for everybody like what makes one person special isn't what makes you special damn mona you said go deep i went deep you you poured your wisdom through the microphone thank you (laughs) well received that's awesome awesome all right so you have the beliefs right now there's a few, there's a couple more elements that you would have to have at play for you to be able to reach the level of success that you have. The second element I would say has to do with habits. So what do you practice on a consistent basis? Like your rituals, your habits, what do you practice that you believe has really brought you to this higher level of success? Um, what do I practice? I think living what I, what I actually preach and teach and share is so important. Um, it just, it makes you, when you're sharing your truth, I think it makes you really confident because you know what you're doing and you're sharing what you know. So living that has really just been super important. Also just being healthy. Um, I think, I've never been a huge drinker. Like, you know, in college I went, you know, I'd go out with my friends, but even then we were studying so much. It was like every two or three weeks we'd get like one night off and get to go out. So I was never a huge drinker, but I can imagine that if I was, it would definitely interfere with like my productivity and my determination. Um, At least for the first few years in building my brand, like there was, I would get in fights with my friends actually um, because I wasn't just wasn't being as social because I literally wanted to stay home and work on it. Like on Friday and Saturday nights, I was so into it that that's just what I wanted to do. So I think, um, just being on my a game, like health wise is super important to stay focused, especially when you're, when you're building your own brand or online presence, like no one's making you do it. Like in the beginning, you're not getting paid for it. You really have to like, so if you're hungover and you're, and you're just, you know, you're not in the mood, like no one's going to yell at you or make you do it. So you really have to stay on top of it. I love that you went there. Uh, that resonates yeah. so much. I feel you because I remember 10 years ago, I started addicted to success.com, right? I was so committed. I had my 10 year vision. I, I casted it. I was in the room with Jordan Belfort and like, I made this like declaration and commitment in front of the room and I went all into it. And within the first two years, I found myself literally addicted to, to success. I was like committed to the vision. I just kept like creating articles and shooting content and interviewing and writing more and more. 
And I remember my friends calling me a pussy because I wouldn't go out drinking with them or go to festivals and like, you know, take ecstasy and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, no, 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 this isn't me anymore. You don't understand. They were yeah. frustrated with me because they didn't want me to change. And I was exactly. frustrated with them because I didn't get the vision. But honestly, it's crazy. Five years, like you fast forward five years and you see I was sitting in a room with the guys that I used to work with in the exact same uh, cafe uh, bar Mm-hmm. And like on a Friday night, I came and caught up with them and they were all sitting around talking about the same people, the same problems at work. And I, I just said, guys, this is like freaking deja vu. They're like, what do you mean? I said, you've got three options. Because we were talking about this last like five years back. You've got three options. You either uh, leave your job and work somewhere else. You either get a promotion, a pay rise, or you start your own business. But please stop bitching and moaning about the same old thing. And I got exactly. up and I paid for everybody's bill and sat back down and two of them out of like the six were like, I want to learn to do what you do because I want to get out of this now. I want to change. The rest didn't and they're still stuck and still there. And I think this oh, is the so thing. Oh, so they don't, not all of them even get it yet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like you were saying before, like you didn't want to go do that. It's because you caught the vision, right? You had a vision in place. And that's the other element of success too, is you've got to have this vision for the future. So how do you commit to your vision? Like, what's your process? Do you visualize every morning? Do you meditate on it? Do you journal? Like, what do you do around your vision? You know, I meditate now. I actually just recently learned to meditate, maybe not even a year ago. Um, So I can't really say that was really what got me there. But in the process of building it, I just, when you want something so bad, I feel like anyone listening, like, think of anything you've ever wanted really bad. Let's say you wanted to be like, I don't know, um, prom king or queen, or you really, I mean, you really wanted to go on a vacation somewhere and you were saving up money for it. Like when you want something, you'll do whatever. And it's all you can think about. And the cool thing about starting a business, it's your passion is it's your hobby. Like you're turning your hobby into a business. So it's what you want to do. So there's really no, like, I didn't have to even write it down. Like it's all I thought about. It consumed me. And what's funny is like kind of what I talked to you about right before we started recording you were asking me like, what am I working on right now? And the last four months has been the first time that I've kind of slowed down. And I think maybe that happens at some point. It doesn't mean that my, like I I'm less determined, but I think sometimes like it ebbs and flows and maybe I just have worked really, really hard for the last like five or six years. And now I just like need a little bit of a break before I figure out like what I want to do. But I think the inspiration can come and go, but I'm trying not to force it because I know that when it comes natural, I don't have to like force myself to do anything. It will just come like it just, it just comes. Yeah. I feel like that's the difference between desperation and inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yes. I remember Tiger Woods shared, you know, when he was at the height of his career before he kind of stuffed it up, he he shared that uh, he would go through stages where he felt like he just was reaching burnout and exhaustion and he wasn't inspired. And what he used to do was he'd get his, his golf clubs and he'd sit it near the door and he would pull himself away for days or even weeks. And every time he'd go to leave the door, he'd look at the golf clubs and he would wait each day. Like he'd pass it and go on and do his thing and come back. And he would wait until he got so excited where he couldn't help himself to grab the golf clubs again. He'd go out and, and do it again. And sometimes it would be like three or four days. Sometimes it'd be a week or two weeks. Wow. And that was like one of his really big keys to like not make, uh, to making sure that he's not coming from desperation, but from inspiration. I really uh, love that. Yeah. That's so so it sounds like you're doing something similar where it's like you're, you're kind of, you're putting out your content and vibing mm-hmm. with your audience, but you're not forcing anything. So 
I'm not forcing a pro exactly like a pro like I think like last year I was very like I was really into like working with so many different brands and I was excited about it but for some reason right now that part of it's not exciting to me just creating content is so that's what I'm doing and I think it's cool to be able to like you know honor that yeah that's beautiful uh, so one more element to your success. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of feel like you're like, you're a coach right now, Mona. You're, <laughs> a coach. you're teaching us the tools and the techniques and the framework. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, so, so the last element is skills. Okay. okay. So what skills did you either hire or acquire yourself to be able to build your brand the way you have to put out the content the way you have and, and you know, the video production and everything else? Okay. Um, well, what's so crazy is I literally feel like I learned to speak on camera. Well, there's two things. When I first was starting my brand, um, a friend of mine suggested this woman in LA, which I don't even know what a brand was. The word wasn't even used then. And I was like, I want to make a website. And they sent me to this woman, Marky Costello, who does, she has like a hosting academy, which teaches people how to host. And I was like, I don't want to be a host. But she had this boot camp, and I went and did it, and she kind of taught me about branding. And she was like, "You need to learn if you want to build this brand for yourself. Um, you need to like learn how to speak on camera." So I took six months of like hosting classes where I learned how to like read off a teleprompter and kind of a, a little bit of that. And I was good at it. But what really, really got me better at it was Snapchat. So when Snapchat came out, I you had to do video and I wasn't used to it because Instagram was just photo. And I felt like it was the first time I was like looking into a camera, but connecting with who was behind it, like connecting to an audience because before that I would film into the camera, like I was filming a YouTube video and there was just like a gloss over my eyes because I couldn't connect. And they'd always be like, picture the person behind the camera. Like, what does she look like? How old is she? Like what? And I just couldn't connect to it, but it's crazy how much social media can really teach you. Like Snapchat was just so like, it's deleted in 24 hours. There was no stress to it. So that really gave me the skill of like learning how to connect. Wonderful. And what bullshit story came up for you before you did that? Because everyone has it, right? Like, like I said, everyone sees the glory, but they don't hear the story. So what was coming up for you? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to quieten that down. I'm going to step into my vision. I think like one thing for me is I was always just like, I feel awkward. I look awkward. Like I, I was like painfully shy when I would get up there, like having to go up in front of a room and like read something was like the death of me. Now when everyone's like, you're such a, everyone tells me, I'm, oh, you're such a natural on camera. It's so funny if you could have seen, I wish I could find those original videos. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> so anything's possible if I could do it. I love that. That's part of the journey, right? Yeah, definitely. That's so funny. You know, one of the things that Tony Robbins taught me many years ago, I remember I used to get so nervous every time I get up and speak and I used to write down my speech and I would literally record it into my phone and listen to it while I'm at the gym, where I'm like, if I'm in the bathroom, wherever, I just like listen to it all the time and try and practice it and memorize it. And my whole running story was, um, I need to sound smart. Like it's this okay. whole like, am I good enough? Right. I'm not good enough. I would practice it over and over to the point where it would sound so robotic. And I thought that that's what it needed to be, to be like, so you would, you would guess, basically accepted. have it memorized. Yeah. Memorized. And, and it would be so inauthentic because I thought that I'd have to sound smart to fit into the self-development industry. And then Tony said to me, he's like, you know what? It's not about you. It's about the audience. And when you take that weight off your shoulders, way more flows out of you. 
And it would be the same with you just like doing your Snapchats, practicing over and over to the point where you're more, I think you kind of get more interested in like, what, like, who am I actually interacting with now? Because otherwise, what's the point? You might as well just shoot 20, 30, 40 videos, you know, a week to yourself and watch them back. Exactly. You have to picture that person like watching it and listening. And it's crazy because like I... I love speaking on camera, but still to this day, like to go up and do a talk, like still makes me really nervous. If it's a panel, I'm totally fine. But if it's just me, a huge audience, and I have to just present, like I am not there yet. That's, that's interesting, right? So what is it? Yeah. What do you think the difference is? I don't know. You know, I think as soon as it's a panel and it's like a one-on-one conversation, or if it's like a Q&A, totally fine. But I think my mind goes into a different, like I'm presenting, like I'm teaching like a PowerPoint or something. And I can't, I haven't yet been able to connect that, which I just think I want to share because there's always like room for growth, even though people might not know that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know what that is. I love that you're going so real on this. This is so good. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, like they, they can pedestal you. Right. And then if you accept the pedestal and you think that this is your identity, now you start putting pressure on yourself to be a certain way. Yes. And, and I feel like I've gone through this battle myself. And even recently, you know, I had a, like a human moment. And then when that happened, I beat myself up so much because it was like a public human moment. And then I was just like, I was what was the real. moment? Um, so I went, this is so fun. We're going super raw. Uh, I went to a, I don't, I don't usually drink and I did. Uh And, um, I went to a strip club after we went out one night and I shared it. I meant to send it. My friend was like, what are you up to? And I sent a clip of it and, um, it actually went out to my Insta story. That's like, that's like out of a movie that really happened by accident. I know. No, 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 it really happened. It really happened. So anyway, I get a message from one of my other mates. He's like, were you supposed to post that? And it wasn't like bad. It wasn't like I made it bad. No, you're it was like, oh my God, it's right. totally out of brand. If I was like a hip hop artist or whatever, you'd like probably think that that's like normal. Right. Um, yes. and then it was, I can it was still actually, relate to this by the way, just that like being yeah. off brand, we were supposed to be this like perfect. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the next day I was just feeling like crap. I was like, man, like a post.com. I meant to send it to my friend. And then um, one of my mates, I, I talked to him and he's like, yeah, yeah, I've done some like that too. And he's like a pretty notable person in the space. And he's like, you know why you feel like crap? I said, why? And he's like, because you put these expectations on yourself to be, to be um, more uh, perceived in a certain way. And he's like, there's just so much pressure around that because now – when you're around people, uh, even if I was to get into a relationship with someone and they perceive me as like, oh, there's Joel, Mr. Success. And he's like, you know, confident across all boards. And he's like, you know, the light of the life and all that. When I do do like something that's considered by study, like darker or whatever it may be that um, I'm deemed, you know, bad or wrong. And it's such a pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think the fact that like, you're just encouraging me now to share and I'm encouraging you means that when people hear it, they're like, oh shit, Joel's not this like perfect human being. And I don't want to be a perfect human being. Right. It's so I don't either. It's so, it's so funny. I, t- I totally get that. And even, I mean, sometimes even on, on Instagram stories, people will be like, you know, share more of your personal life. And I keep thinking, um, I have to be this like role model. I actually shared a little video of me in, du- in Dubai recently smoking hookah for that reason. And like everyone, like, you know, I got, I got the few like, right. They're like, is it healthy? I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> 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 what are you gonna do Love it. yeah 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 so, uh, but, but like when people were okay before you actually posted it was there anything in you like oh should i post this 
Oh yeah. I was like, I contemplated it. And then even after I posted it, um, I think one comment shook me a little. Some, I can't remember which one, but something like that. And I was like, Oh, maybe it's not very classy. Like that's always my thing. Like, is it, is it classy right. enough? Like maybe it doesn't look good, but I'm like, but I did it. I'm not ashamed of it. Like, it's not a big deal. I just hold such, I hold myself to such high expectations of yeah. making sure I'm like presented a certain way and always like, come, you know, look a certain way. So I was like, no, whatever. It's not a big deal. So I left it. Ooh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I hope, I hope some uh, leaders, online leaders listen to this and they're like, you know what? I need to do that too. And yeah. Share more of my authentic truth. And I, tr- I struggle with this a little bit at times where I even challenge myself and I'm like, Hey, Joe, like, are you being authentic right now? Are you posting something because it sounds smart or you're posting it because you know, it's time to post. I don't know if you ever yes. thought that. Like, oh, oh totally. I have to post today. Yeah. All what it means time. is you're playing the game. You're not playing your game and you're not in your lane. And I usually find that if I feel like that, usually it's because I'm not aligned fully with my values and I'm also mm-hmm. not uh, living out my vision. I'm actually living out somebody else's game. So it's easy right. to get caught up in. It really is. And I think like, the more you are just so aligned with yourself, the happier you are. Like that's just what will make you truly happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, to add to like this conversation of doing things sometimes that people may perceive as like not good. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like what we can do at times is we can like be acknowledged so much for our successes you know, people are like, Oh my God, you're like, you're great at this. or you've achieved that. Or like, look at all these things you created. And then you end up putting, and if you're not careful, and I know it myself, I don't know if you've ever experienced this yourself, where you start to um, basically feel like you receive love through the appreciation or the acknowledgement of things that you've done and that you have not so much about who you are as an individual. Yeah. And if, we, if we're suppressing that, you end up going through other routes in order to get that like significance because you're not doing it in an authentic way. I, yeah, I totally agree, which is almost kind of like, it's almost like when you feel like every post has to be of a certain value or, or share, like if, if that's the only reason people follow you or want to be a part of it, but it's really not. And I, I mean, every time I post a video, like the Dubai video, my community, like my real community are always like, yes, like, thank you for being so real. Like they love it. So even if you lose a few randoms that are going to get offended, it just doesn't matter. Because you have to, are you living for their expectations or your truth? Yeah. Wow, we just keep going deeper. Look at this. We're down a rabbit hole now. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and just one more point with this, because sure. I'm sure you see this too. You see sometimes, um, especially in the like self-development, um, new age kind of spiritual space, conscious space, if you want to call it that. Um, sometimes uh-huh. you see people that like they get on camera and they're crying on camera and they're like, oh, they're, and they're like bawling their eyes out. And, and then there's a, there's a fine line, right? So it's like, I agree. You put it up your video of you smoking the hooker is like, okay, well, that's just like, you would do that off camera. So you're inviting people into your world. Then when you have someone crying, it's like, yo, 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 cry, process then share what came up after. Yeah, you don't have to show right. you crying because now you're trying to sell like, I'm so authentic. Look exactly. at me, I'm authentic. So oh there's God. a thin line. You're like preaching to the choir because that's one of my pet peeves is when people try to over like abuse vulnerability just to get likes from it. I'm like, it's so, so transparent, but I, I just hate it. I can't. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's real like in a, in a moment, but like to constantly like 
you do the stories and cry. It bothers me. But I'm like very observant and intuitive. So I can see something like that and like maybe see a little more through it, but it's okay. Yeah. And this whole like trying to, trying to out-conscious each other is just such a weird game to me. And we are really in this world where like nothing's too woo-woo anymore. So it's like you can drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, but like how far everyone wants to go is funny. Because I love yeah. meditation. Like I love meditation. I believe in the power of the mind so much, but I haven't like fully crossed over. Yeah. And like we were talking about before, you got to be careful of, of tying your identity to a thing. Exactly. You know, because then you can get easily offended. It's like when people start like, w- w- you know, walking out on the streets of their placards and, and you know, right. So you're vegan uh-huh. right? and, and I'm sure, you know, there's sometimes you, I mean, I've had encounters. I've been a vegetarian for 24 years, ever since I was seven years old. It was wow. a decision, it was an ethical decision. I saw a, a cow or cows at a um, abattoir at a meat house when I was seven years old on a school excursion, I like jumped the fence. I was supposed to go to a dairy farm. I jumped the fence. I went to an abattoir with my friends. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, then I go home asking my mom, like, what is beef? Like, why do we eat chicken? And uh, like all these questions. And my mom's like, we don't have to, you can be vegetarian. So I did that for 24 years straight up until 31. I've had like a little bit of fish lately, but Mm -hmm. I'm not like super keen on it. And uh, I remember sitting at a table and there was this newly, um, uh, I guess newly found vegan that comes to the, the table and was telling everybody off for eating their, oh, their fruit. Yeah. And it, and then someone turned and was like, Joel, you've been a vegetarian for 24 years. How do you feel? And I'm like, yo, this is your own like prerogative. Like it's your choice. If you totally. do that, like I'm not here judging. Um, I think it's more important to talk about like why you decided to go vegan. If anyone asks and then go into, um, you know, the importance of the benefits of that diet and then let people make their own decision. What, what's your thoughts around that? Because you could tie your identity to it a little bit too much at times and then it pushes people away, right? I've actually, what's interesting is lately I've tried to lessen my identity to it because, um, you know, I used to say I was vegan, but then the vegan community would really start to attack me whenever I'd wear any leather or anything that wasn't like a full, a full hippie life. How dare you um, be she, human, Mona? <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm like, oh my God. And it gets, and they're aggressive. It's like you're wearing dead animal skin on your, on your feet. So I put plant-based in my bio. And then I even took it out because it is how I eat, but I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not aggressive about it. You know, whenever I share recipes, it's really always been in like a, this is great for your skin. This is great for your heart. Like, eat mostly plants. I've even told people like if you, if you choose to eat meat or fish, eat mostly plants, eat all your snacks vegan, like don't eat it processed. Like if you're going to eat like an animal product, you're going to eat like a burger. Don't eat it like processed and dried and dehydrated and shipped into like a cracker. Like, you know, just eat as clean as you can and eat mostly plants. But I literally made the choice to take it out of my bio for that reason, because it's not all that I am. It's a part of who I am. And I think sometimes it's just like, you put yourself into this box where it's all, all you, you know, all you feel like you can talk about. Yeah. I feel that on so many levels before we wrap up this interview, it would be mm-hmm. awesome to hear from you. What's your go to, um, superfoods or diet for entrepreneurs, people that need to tap into that creativity, um, to get really great sleep, to be energized, to be able to, you know, lead and, uh, to show up. What do you believe are great superfoods that we can go to? Um, I think number one, just eating clean is so underrated. And 
I, I know that's thrown around a little bit, but just eating like real food, like less things that are in boxes that are frozen, that are packaged, like instead of eating like, you know, almond crackers, just eat almonds instead of eating like potato chips, eat a potato. Like it's not, it's not about cutting calories or like, you know, it, just eat unprocessed. It's so much better for your body. You'll function so much more. Um, drinking water is so important. Getting enough sleep is super important. I actually think if you don't want to intermittent fast, even just focusing on three big meals a day versus like little snacks a day, I found, especially girls are snackers. I don't know. I mean, not to stereotype, but a lot of my girlfriends were big snackers and it would almost distract me during the day because I'd always, it's literally like, what am I going to have? Like, what's my next snack going to be? You're always kind of like hungry. But when I started doing just three big meals, I felt like it kept me fuller. So making sure you're eating like a good filling meal and then it holds you over and you're not thinking about it. You're not like distracted by hunger. So I think all of those things are important. Um, I really love cacao more than like anything. I think cacao is like one of the most amazing ingredients. It's underrated. It's so high in antioxidants. It gives a little chocolate flavor to everything. Um, I think it's one of the best ones. So I would say that'd be my favorite superfood. Ooh, I love cacao. I love cacao. I love too. cacao. What, what, what do you think about maca powder? Are you big on that? Oh, I actually love, I love maca. I love ashwagandha. Um, those are great just for like balancing your hormones, like balancing your stressors. I always say talk to your doctor first because they are actually really effective. So especially for women, if they're on like birth control or if you have like thyroid issues, it's always good to check. But I love those. I love goji berries. I think they're such a good snack. Um, so you actually, the only dried fruit I like is goji berries because they're so high in antioxidant too. But you need, you, you need, you need antioxidants. You need fresh food. It fuels your body to function properly. Like your immune system just will not work as well. Everything won't work as well if you're not getting these foods in. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to check my cupboard and see what I need to top up on. Cause I yeah. do like my superfoods. I just feel sometimes I might get a little bit lazy and, and it like starts to narrow down. It's like, I've got a variety and then I start to go down and then I just end up getting like an essentials green mix and go, Oh, I'm healthy instead of yeah. <laughs> getting yeah. deeper, richer uh, superfoods. So thanks for reminding me of that. That's awesome. Of course. Mona, this has been such an amazing interview. I feel like, like we haven't gone this deep and raw and real for a long time. On this I podcast. love that. Thank you for stepping in and, uh, and showing up. Yeah. No, thank you so much. This was, a, this was a great combo. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, before we wrap up, where can we find you online? Um, on everything. It's Dr. Mona Band, just Dr. Mona Band. I'm actually new to TikTok and really, really going heavy on there. So follow me on TikTok. It's really fun. And Instagram and YouTube are my main channels. Hey, with TikTok, uh-huh. Like, I feel it's funny because I've I got I've got TikTok and I see what people are doing on there. I'm like, do you have to sing? Or you like do not. Sync? Like, what do you do? What do you do? Because I'm, I'm like, I'm going to follow your lead and see what you're up to on there and see how I can do it too. Because I've been so in that box of like, you know, professional speaking and teaching. Right. How do I, how do I get fun and entertaining as well? And like, I'm, I'm really, I'll I'll let you know when I think I'm experimenting with it as we speak, but I like doing like fun little tutorials or I think right now it's so new that you can just kind of do anything. But for people like us that feel like we want to be a little more ourselves and not be in that box. And this is the perfect app to just like have more fun and just like goof around a little bit. Right. I love it. 
Yeah, 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 cool, awesome, good stuff. Thanks so much for sharing that, and thank you for instilling your wisdom in us today. Thank um, you. Before we wrap up the interview, I have one last question for you, and this question okay. is: If you were to deliver your last thirty-second speech to the world, <laughs> take a breath. What okay. would that last thirty seconds sound like? Oh my god, this is so stressful. No my last 30, <laughs> last 30 seconds hey, to the t- world. Tony, Tony Robbins was like, oh my God. He's like, okay, give me, give me some, uh, you know, some time to think about it. And then he dropped in and it was great. Trust yourself. Okay, I would say be yourself 100%. There's no point in trying to be something else, try to be something else because in the end it will always come out and it won't make you as happy. Say your truths. Don't be ashamed of anything. Be proud of who you are and just fight for your happiness. You have one life, so go for it.